If you never suffer, you never learn perseverance. If you never learn perseverance, you never build character. If you never build character, you don't have a hope. And the average crisis in our nation and in this world, and especially with young people, is they don't have hope. They look at all the horrible things that are happening and they go, I don't have a future. Like, what am I hoping? But luckily, in Jesus, there's hope. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. So we're busy with the a series for those who are joining us today for the first time or for the first time in a long time. We are busy with a series called One Gospel, One Church. How many of you believe there is one gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ, and there's one church, the bride of Christ, amen? Can we agree on that? Wonderful. We started out, and we, this is a study of the book of Romans, the letter of Paul to a divided church in Rome. He was speaking to a church that used to be Jewish-led. The Jews were cast out of Rome. Then the Gentiles took over, and they were leading the church, and the Jews were later allowed back, and they wanted to be back in the church, but now there was this divide and Paul is speaking to them about some important gospel truths. He's telling them what justification really looks like, what sanctification really looks like, and what glorification one day with Jesus will look like. Amen? And we've been looking at that. So chapter 1 and 2, we spoke about the one standard that God has. Who can remember this week what the one standard is? I tested you last week and you failed dismally. What is the one standard? God's? No. No. Yes, hallelujah, finally. Third time lucky. People, 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 people. His righteousness. His righteousness. It's very much all about His righteousness. What are you without Jesus? You are not right. You are wrong. <laughs> In Jesus, you are made righteous. That's the one Standard. Okay, I'm going to test you next week and you better get it right. What is the one standard? Righteousness. God's righteousness. We're going to try it again. What is the one standard? God's yes, because there's other types of righteousness. Okay. Yo. Then we looked at Romans 3 and 4 and we spoke about the one way. What is the one way to the one standard? Yes. Faith. The one way is faith. By faith in? Yes, by faith in Jesus Christ. Well done. How many of you have faith in Jesus Christ? Moy, we'll work on the rest of you. All right. How many of you have arms that can go up? Use them. Okay. Wonderful. Then last week we spoke about, we started on Romans 5. But Romans 5, I'm sure you'll agree with me, is so rich. Amen. There's so much going on in this chapter. 
And that two other chapters in Romans strike me the same way, which I think we'll spend more time in, and that's Romans 8 and Romans 12. But this chapter is so rich, there's so much going on here, that we only got to verse 11 last week. And we spoke about the, the one gift, the one gift. And I haven't completely revealed to you yet what the one gift is. Some of you are sharp, probably know by now. Um, but we, we read up until that verse and we saw the amazing gift that comes from being made righteous through faith. In other words, the gospel of Jesus' one church leads us to understand that there's only one way to the standard of God's righteousness, and that's faith. And at the beginning of the chapter, Paul tells the divided church in Rome in, in a sort of a very mock style ad. He keeps going, you know, and that's not all. This is more. And, and he goes like, much more. And that's not all. He literally says those things. So it sounds like a weird very mock ad about all these things that you get when you are in Jesus. And he speaks of being justified and how that causes peace between you and God. And he talks about grace and how we can stand in it. And he talks, and then from there, all these beautiful things, hope, glory, peace, and grace, he goes into, we need to glory in tribulations. And everyone goes, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That doesn't seem to be part of the same list. What is going on here? And we realize that one of the good things that come from a relationship with Jesus Christ is that we can handle suffering, trials, and tribulations in a much better godly way. And we can, because we know, he says, knowing that tribulation helps you to uh, learn and grow in perseverance. And perseverance builds character. And character gives you, what does our world need right now? Hope. What does our young people need right now? Hope. Where do you get hope? From suffering. What do we have for the last few generations? Parents who try to keep their children from suffering. Then they don't persevere then they don't build character, and then they don't have hope. When you, this is the Nemo principle. How many of you guys know the movie Finding Nemo? Okay, at the very end of the movie, the dad is hanging with Dory at the back of the throat of a freaking massive whale. And she's telling him, let go. And he says, I can't let go, I don't know what's gonna happen. And then suddenly, he says to her, like he's talking to his boy, you can't do this. You can't do these things, Nemo. And, and then the conversation goes on. And at, at the end of it, he says to her, I promised him that I will never let anything happen to him. And then she said, that's a weird promise because then nothing will ever happen to him. That thing struck me because that's what this is talking about. If you never suffer, you never learn perseverance. If you never learn perseverance, you never build character. If you never build character, you don't have a hope. And the average crisis in our nation and in this world, and especially with young people, is they don't have hope. They look at all the horrible things that are happening and they go, I don't have a future. Like, what do I hope in? But luckily, in Jesus, there's hope. We recently spoke about faith. Who remembers what faith is? Faith is the substance of things. Hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What's the substance? Christ Jesus, the Word of God, His Word or any Word that He gives you is your substance. So if you have Jesus, if you have a Word from Jesus, if you have um, the Scripture, you can stand on that and go, I've got substance, therefore I have hope. 
And then what's coming out of here will line up with scripture and not with the news and social media. Who's with me? Last week, I asked you, how many of you are able to receive compliments and gifts well? How many of you are good at receiving compliments and gifts? And there were a few sort of hands, not many. When I asked you how many of you enjoy giving gifts and compliments, we had way more hands. But the same people who like to give struggle to get. And two of the main reasons we struggle with that is because we either have pride or we are very insecure and have low self-esteem. Both of those are, are rooted in a lack of identity. It's, it's rooted in a lack of Christ identity. And today I hope to show you that until you receive fully the one gift that I'm talking about, you will struggle to receive any other gifts. Ooh, that was good. I'll see if you remember that next week. What is the result if someone offers you a gift but you don't receive it? The result is you cannot use it, you cannot benefit from it, and you cannot benefit from what it has to offer. Would you agree? Here's a gift. Thank you. Put it on a shelf and leave it there. You cannot benefit from it. And last week, we started to get an idea of what that gift is, but we're going to go on today, and I'm hoping that it'll break open to you. We're going to read the rest of Romans 5, and then... I'm also going to read you a long piece of scripture, yay, from 1 Corinthians 15, which is another letter from Paul to another church, a mainly Gentile church, where he was, uh, we've, we've worked through that last year, we did a series on 1 Corinthians, you'll remember that. Well, if you can't remember one standard, I don't know if you'll remember that, but we did a series on 1 Corinthians. <laughs> And he's speaking to the Gentile church, but many of the things that he says in chapter, at the end of chapter 15, lines up with Romans 5. And when we read them together, there's this beautiful thing that starts breaking open that I hope to show you today. Now, in the rest of 1 and 15, of Romans, sorry, Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, we see that Paul is going to contrast Adam and Jesus in an amazing and systematic way. Sometimes it even seems repetitive, but I believe it's for a good reason. He wants his readers and fellow believers to understand the weight and the magnitude of what it means to be someone who once was cut off from God, but is now a new creation in God. He really wants them to get this. He wants them and us today here to understand the vast difference between who we were and where we were before Jesus and now who we are and where we are heading in Jesus. It's very important for us to understand this. Some of us may cognitively understand this, but it hasn't settled in your spirit to such a degree that you're walking in complete freedom or in complete confidence of who you are in Christ. Because if every person who calls him or herself a Christian read Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15 and went, 
I completely get this. I've completely made this my own. And this is how I'm going to walk and live my life. We will have a completely different place that we live in. And that's why you cannot hear it enough. One of the pieces of feedback that I got from our Connect leaders is that people don't understand why we need to repeat the sermon on a Wednesday or whenever they have Connect. And, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that you know everything. And that it's like solid, you know, that you don't, there's no doubt, you understand everything. And from here on, you just build on top of that. But I know from my own experience, as a fairly intelligent person, that repetition, repetition, repetition is what brings the, the full-on revelation that we need. It's only by the, I mean, it, it depends. Sometimes it falls into your spirit immediately. Sometimes it takes time. But you cannot take the word of God lightly and you cannot think that you've got it until it's really changed your life. There's a difference between mental ascent and complete spiritual revelation. It's a massive difference. Understanding it cognitively, I read the words and I understand kind of the meaning of it is vastly different from taking the word in and letting it change you from the inside. That is why we go through it again on a Wednesday or a Tuesday because that is where your life starts to change. That is where you talk about it. And when you say these things out loud, you ask questions, that's when the change comes. I just needed to get that off my chest, apparently. I would like, as we go through these scriptures, I want you to focus on the ways that Paul is contrasting Adam and Jesus and the different terms he uses to refer to them. And I'd like for you to notice the ways he contrasts our nature before Christ and after Christ. So we're gonna look at Adam and Jesus and then who we, who we were and who we are. Can you see that? All right. And I even have a slideshow for you today. Can you believe it? I've never done that before. I mean, you'll see. There's actually like graphics and stuff. It's like very exciting. Um, <laughs> no, not really. But I, 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 tr I try to draw a picture for us of what Paul is saying so that maybe we get a visual of how this works so that we can understand who we are in Christ. Amen? All right. But first, we're going to read the Scriptures. So if you have your Bibles or if you have your Version Bible app and you are on the event for today, uh, or if you just look at the screen like most of you will do, uh, we're going to read from Romans 5 verse 12. Before we read the Word, let's pray again. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we read your Word, that you will help us, that, that you will enlighten our understanding, that we will have spiritual revelation of what we read, that it not just be words, but that it be spiritual revelation in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It says, therefore, okay, now we've built up to verse 11. We've, we've covered that. Now he says, therefore, just as through one man, Sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why Moses? Because that's when the law came in. Even over those who had not sinned, 
according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him, capital H, for Jesus, who was to come. But the free gift, notice the word gift, the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. Can you start seeing the two camps? Can you? All right. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will, what is one of our church values? Reign in life. This scripture is where that value comes from. Through the one, Jesus Christ. How is it possible for us to reign in life? Through what Jesus Christ did, who he is and who we are in him. Now again, we get that word. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. One standard. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law shows us what sin is. So when the law was written down, it showed us these things are sin. Now sin is more, it's abounding. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we give God a praise offering for that scripture. Come on, that's powerful. Now, I want you to keep all of that in mind. I'm gonna help you to break this up just now, but we're gonna finish with this first. This next part is quite long, but we're gonna get through it together, amen? It's just eight verses. It sounds a lot less than you say eight verses, okay. So also is the resurrection of the dead. What did Jesus do? He was dead and he was resurrected. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. Paul is a poet and he didn't even know it. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. That's Adam. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are 
heavenly. Oh. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. <laughs> now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Come on. For this corruptible must, this corruptible, this corruptible body must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on, on incorruption and this mortal has put on immor immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But... Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Come on. Let's get excited about who we are in Christ. Okay, so we're going to divide this up. In two segments, we've got first Adam, first man. He's called, this, these are different things that the, the one and the other one are called, all right? Um, click two more times, please. So we got Adam, he's, first, he's called first Adam, first man and one man. Jesus is called second Adam, heavenly man and Jesus. Living being is uh, Adam and Jesus is a life-giving spirit, all right? Now, what does Paul say? He says that through the one man's sin, that's the next slide, we, it brought in death, okay? I actually had this picture of a rocket called sin carrying a payload of death. And I wanted to try and show you that, but it was difficult. But I want you to imagine a rocket called sin and the payload, that which is gonna explode is death. And it was for, it went over all people, the death of that. It also says the offense of the one man brought judgment, all right? And then one man's disobedience made many to be sinners. And one man's offense caused that many would die. That's the next one. Now, that is what Adam did. Can we pause for a moment and I want to tell you something. It's very important for you to realize the sequence of events in the garden. Who took and ate the fruit after being tempted by the serpent? At that point, her name was not Eve. She was just the woman. She only got the name Eve after the fall of man. Yes, read your Bible. So Adam gave her the name Eve, not God. God named Adam. 
But the woman was tempted. She looked at the fruit. She saw that it was good and she ate. Did their eyes open after she ate? No. What happened next? She gave the fruit that they were not supposed to eat to her husband, the man, who, according to God's creation ordinance, is the head of the marriage and the head of the home. He's ultimately held responsible. The moment between when she ate and handed it to him, he had a choice. Where'd you get that fruit? God said, we can't eat that. Throw it away. No fall of man, no sin. But the moment the man was tempted by his wife, who was tempted by the spirit, and ate, he disobeyed. And then their eyes opened. I cannot stress enough to you how much you need to be aware of how strongly the attack of the enemy is against men. I'm not having a real conference for men for fun. We're doing it because we need to save men from the lies of the enemy and from themselves. We need them to realize that they have so much dominion, power, and authority, but they don't know what it is, and they don't walk in it because they don't know, because it's been stripped from them by the enemy. Adam is mentioned here, not the woman. Why is that? Jesus came to save us, not his sister. Make up a name. There was never a woman that was going to save the whole world. There's always going to be a man, the second Adam. That's God's plan. When, when I speak to young people, when I, when I see what's going on in the news and the social media and the things that are being pushed down our throats, it's men are bad. Women are the greatest. And oh, by the way, you can be any gender you want to be. There's a spectrum. What a load of absolute hogwash. It goes against, completely against God's plan. Why? Why is this happening? Why are we here? Because the enemy knows God's plan. He knows that God created marriage and created family. That's what he wants to dismantle. And, and when we speak of God the Father and his children, what is that? A family. When we speak of Jesus and the church, what is that? A marriage. This, it is so deeply wired into the kingdom of God, that is why it is under attack. Men, I cannot stress enough to you how important your role is. But you cannot fulfill it if you don't know who you are in Christ. If Adam took one moment and took his eyes off of the fruit and just thought of what he was about to do, he could have changed everything. 
God's original plan was, to, was for us to live with him forever. Because the other tree in the garden is the tree of life. And when, when Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, God specifically said they may not eat from that tree ever again, lest they live forever. We were meant to never die, to always be with him. Why do you think Adam lived to be over 900 years old? Because he ate from the tree of life while he was in the garden. But thank God, the second Adam came, Jesus Christ. And now from one righteous act, that should be the next slide, we got a free gift. Everybody say free gift. Free gift. It seems almost superfluous to say free gift because a gift in essence is given, right? It's not supposed to cost you something. Hey, come and buy a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I have a gift for you. It's just a hundred rand. <laughs> have fun. You understand? It's weird to say free gift, but what do you think Paul is trying to get across? That it's for free. It's for free. But what do people struggle with? To receive it. Now, the free gift leads to justification. What is justification? It means that it is just if I never sinned. And this justification leads to life. Life in abundance if we add other scriptures to this. That is what Jesus came to do. So one man's obedience, should be the next one. One man's obedience made many righteous. And now the other thing that Paul tells us is that law came in. And the law, because of law, sin abounded. So I didn't know this was wrong until the law told me it's wrong. And now the more laws there were, the more things there were that I could do wrong. So sin abounded because of law. God wanted to show us this is the standard of righteousness. And everyone went, I can't do that. <laughs> and he's like, I know, you need my son. Sin abounded and sin reigns in death. I almost want you to see sin as a person wearing a black crown and death is written on it. It's, it's what happens with sin. Sin brings death, spiritual death. And that's what God was trying to tell Adam and Eve in the garden. When you eat from the fruit, from the knowledge of good and evil, it's not about the fruit. It's not about even knowing good and evil. It's about do you love me, trust me enough to obey me? Because the knowledge of good and evil is what? It's a pathway to be like God. It's a pathway to want to know more and, hey, maybe he's holding out on me. What is it? Pride. It is, it is being, basically being a brat of a child. I don't know how many of you have three-year-old girls. But when you tell her to do something or to not do something specific, she does that specific thing. Now you, now you try to reverse engineer it. And that which you wanted to do, you say, don't do that. 
It doesn't work. Somehow they know. <laughs> but because of the law, sin abounded, and sin reigns in death. That is our situation before Christ. But thank God, grace entered, and grace led, it, it abounded more than sin. Grace abounded more than sin. And now grace reigns in life. Because of grace, we can reign in life. Amen? That's very exciting. All right, go to the next slide. We have been given a gift. We've been given a gift. Listen, if this is not going to our online people, you might want to just click on slide so they can see. Can they see? All right. So we've been given a gift from, and the gift is Jesus. That's the gift. The one gift. But if we do not receive it, if we do not receive it, take hold of it, we cannot receive what he offers, who he is and what he has done. But the amazing thing about this one gift, Jesus, is that he's the gift that keeps on giving. Because out of this gift, we receive two main other gifts. Grace and, you can put that up, and righteousness. But if you don't receive Jesus, you can't receive the grace and the righteousness. You see, it's a free gift, but you have to receive it. And yes, there is a cost. There is a cost to receiving this gift. It is free to receive, but once you receive it, then you have to die to activate it. So you get it for free, but it costs you everything. <laughs> it's the one free gift that costs you all. Now, I want to do a similar thing with 1 Corinthians 15. So you can click the next headings, please. So he talks about corruptible and incorruptible. He talks about seeds being sown and something being raised from those seeds, all right? So we get stuff being sown, and then we have stuff being raised. Firstly, it's what is sown in corruption is raised in incorruption. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown in a natural body is raised as a spiritual body. What is he talking about? I believe there's two important things here. The one is our moments of becoming born again. And the second is, he, keeps, he, he goes into that, he talks about the last day when Jesus will return. And when we go, um, as, as his bride we are taking up and we are then glorified. So both of these things I see playing out here. But the one I want you to focus on, because we are seeing the difference is, we, our physical bodies, now remember, before Christ, you are in the nature of Adam. We've seen it now. 
in the nature of Adam, you are sinful, you are heading for eternal death, and there's absolutely no hope for you in your own strength, and no hope from people around you. No one can save you. Not yourself, not your friend, not philosophy, not an ideology, not an idea, not a gadget, not a book. Nothing can save you from the fact that you will be dead forever away from God in hell. If you do not meet Jesus, say yes to him and receive him as a gift. Now what happens in that moment when you receive this gift of Jesus Christ and his grace and his righteousness is this physical body, this mortal body, this mortal soul, it dies. It is sown into the ground. We read in the scriptures as well that a seed that hasn't fallen to the ground and died cannot, be, cannot come to life as a plant. It cannot. The seed first has to go under the ground and die. Amen? That's also one of the things we talk about when we talk about being baptized. Why are we baptized after we give our lives to Jesus? Because it's a physical, a symbolic, um, it shows symbolically what happened spiritually. We died to our old self, to our mortal bodies, to our corruptible bodies, to everything that's in what is part of who we are physically, and we are raised with Christ into, more, into glory and power and incorruption. That is what Jesus came to do for us. Do we understand that? Can we get excited about that? Come on. So I want you to see this is who you used to be, and because of the gift, the one gift, Jesus Christ, this is now who you can be. Do we get this? Do you get the seriousness of staying on this side, doing things your own way, and, and letting, letting yourself be caught up in the ways of the world and the philosophies and the ideologies of the world and thinking that's the answer? Can you see the, the danger of that? Do, do we understand the weight of eternity? Do we understand that? Anyone? All right. Now, now that we know this, we have to ask ourselves, what is our response as born again, new creation, raised from death into life, followers of Jesus Christ? What should our response be? Well, Paul says it at the end of that chapter in 1 Corinthians, which is so good. He says, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved um, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing what your labor, that your labor is not in vain for the Lord. Come on. So he says that we need to do four things. Be steadfast. What does that mean? It means, once again, the word we learned earlier, perseverance. In chapter 5, he talks about going through trials and tribulations and getting excited about it because through this trial, I will, I will build perseverance. Amen? So when I'm steadfast, I persevere. Secondly, I'm consistent. I'm consistently spending time with God. I'm consistently spending time in His Word. I'm consistently growing closer to God and becoming more like Him. I am steadfast. I am dependable. 
I'm dependable as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a son of the living God. You can depend that that is who I am. Would you agree? If we are steadfast, that's what Paul is calling us to be. Secondly, he says, be immovable. What is being immovable? You won't, what? Move from where? Where you are in Jesus. Be immovable from that which you have decided to follow. Earlier in this chapter, he speaks about we are set in grace. What is a mindset? It is a way of thinking. What is a stronghold? It's something that you are surrounded by, encapsulated by, and you are stuck in there. It's like a prison you built for yourself. That's a stronghold. A mindset is a way of thinking that you've done so many times or believe so strongly that it's the only way you think. Your mind will always go there. That's why Paul, the same guy, says in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Because if we are immovable as born again children of God, other things can come our way. Ideologies, philosophies, ideas, religions, um, arguments, all kinds of things can come our way, but we stand. We will not be moved. You cannot convince me there is no God. You cannot convince me there is no Son, Jesus Christ. You cannot convince me that it is not a Holy Spirit. You cannot convince me that God still heals and does miracles. You cannot convince me that the church is not the answer to the world. The same way you will never convince me that family and marriage and two genders is not gonna change. It will not change. That is what God said and it will stay this way. We need to be immovable. Just because someone sounds like they are convincing about something, they've read a lot of books about it, you will not move unless it lines up with the Word of God. That's why you need to know the Word of God. You can entertain other people's false ideologies, but don't let it move you. Rather move them to God by sharing your testimony and being real with them. Immovable means I will not compromise. Immovable means I am focused. Immovable means I am rooted in my true Christ identity. When I am solid in who I am in Christ, I can receive a compliment. I can receive a gift because I know who I am. I'm not prideful and I don't have low self-esteem. I know exactly who I am. I am the son of the living God called for a time such as this. I love him and therefore I love you and I'm so grateful that you thought of me and said something nice and gave me something, I receive it. Thank you. Oh, this whole thing? Don't do that. If you are rooted in Christ and know who you are, you can receive not just, you've already received the gift, the one gift, now you are open to receive the other things that life has to offer. If I am immovable, I am sold out for the mission. The mission is that I've been called to tell the world of Jesus Christ and that God has given me special gifts and spiritual gifts and opportunities and platforms where he wants me to do that for him. I have a purpose and I live that out. It means I'm, so, it means I'm not swayed by others or by the enemy. I will not be swayed. Thirdly, he says, always be abounding in the work of the Lord. It's to live for the Lord and your life choices and actions in the way that will line up with that which he's called you to do. This 
always grows and develops more. So when I am abounding in the work of the Lord, first of all, I need to be busy with the work of the Lord and then it needs to grow. Abound means it becomes more and more and it grows, amen? So will we do that? And the last thing he says, know that your labor is not in vain because it's in him. Why does he say that? Because as you do these things, as you are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, there will be days where you think, oh, what am I doing this for? This is hard. I don't see the change that I'd like to see. I don't see things happening and moving. You will have those moments. You will have those moments. That's why the first word is steadfast. That's why the second word is immovable. And that's why right at the end, he reminds you, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's for the kingdom of God. It's for eternity. It's one thing to know that Adam sinned. There's been a fall of man. Jesus came to save. And because of Jesus, the one gift, I am free. But how does that change the way you live? How does it change the way you wake up every day? How does it change the way you relate to your spouse or your children? How does it change the way you walk into your place of work? How does it change a conversation where someone's trying to convince you of their narrative that's ungodly and unbiblical? How do you speak to that unbeliever? How do you speak to that cultural Christian that thinks they are saved but they're not? How do you love on them? How do you pray for them? Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.